Welcome back to another episode of Darren After Reading. Very NPR of you. Thank I'm, you. I'm your host, Queefy Greens. <laughs> Joining me as always, uh, Mr. Queer and Present Danger. <laughs> this, Nick Calibrates. This, this feels like a serialized noir podcast now. We're doing that. Oh, cool. Yeah. We switch formats yeah, overnight? You're, you're queer in present danger. I mean, yeah, I, I gathered. I mean, I did come in in a, in a fun hat and my vintage dare shirt, so. It's true. Nick um, <laughs> punched an Amishman in the face and took his hat. You know, it's really easy because, like, their be- their beards are really squared off, so it just gives you, like, a nice, like, center point. <laughs> It's like a target? Yeah, I mean, it's fine to make fun of them. They'll never hear this. Oh, that is true. I mean, I think even the most techno- technologically adept Amishman probably does not listen to podcasts. Does not listen to Especially this podcast. Podcasts. <laughs> what if, though? Yeah, we've, we've got a big, big hit in the Amish We community. are the only, um, the only income of modern culture they get. They allow us them to listen to this podcast. Yep. During after week. We are their perennial rumspringer. And in return, they just send us gallons of raw milk. What if some rebellious young Amish kid is on rumspringer right now and he listened to... This was the first podcast he picked. He like saw a poster of Laura Dern when he was little when they went into town that one time. <laughs> He's like, I want to know more about that lady. That tall, what tall, was it? beautiful lady. Let's see, lady. how old is he? I mean, let's say he's 18 now. Okay. So he would have been born like 20... 2001? 2002? You're almost... Your math isn't that bad. <laughs> Something like that. So let's say he's 10. So like 2010-ish. 12. Right. Let's say 2010 roughly, regardless okay. of numbers. What Laura Dern movie came out in 2010? Let's see. Let's go to our IMDb. It's going to be one of these episodes. No, no, no. I can, this will be quick. This will be quick. I have it right here. It's loading. Uh, her filmography. All filmography. Good. If I explain it as I do it, it's less boring for the listener. Um, <laughs> it's like they're along for the ride. Exactly. It's like they're also Googling things with me. I mean, I was at work yesterday, and me and my boss were just reading Wikipedia entries for creepypastas. It was a good time. That does sound fun. By the like, way, Little Fockers. Or every, or Everything Must Go. Eh, Little Fockers. Yeah, so you saw like a Little Fockers poster in like the local cinema that had like two movies at a time. He was like, that lady. She probably wasn't <laughs> even on the poster. No, but... come on, with Dern? I don't think she was. She probably wasn't. But I like to Actually, think that no, she demanded There it is a version of the deeper. poster with like, it's just listed down the side like every main big star. So he reads the it. name. And develops an obsession. Laura. He just writes her name over and over in cursive in his little Amish notebook. No, he doesn't have a notebook. He has like a slate that he brings to class. Yeah, unlike a beautiful handmade desk. Yes. He had to make it. That's the first thing you do in Amish school, like in kindergarten. You make your desk for the rest of your schooling. Yeah, it's very Montessori. And um, if you don't finish your schooling, you have to eat the desk. (laughs) It's a very, very difficult process. Yeah. Yeah. So, I got my COVID vaccine. I don't think we've talked since Oh, congratulations. I got my jab, as they call it in the I stopped caring about other people's vaccines, (laughs) because I already got mine. No, you're fully vaccinated. Can you even talk to me? Because I'm only halfway. Oh, you're a halfy? Yeah. You're a mudblood? I'm a star-bellied sneech. I don't (sighs) think we can... I guess you'd be the star-bellied sneech. 
No, because then they flip it, right? And then, like, the the other ones get the stars, and then the ones yeah. without stars take them off, or something like that. Yep, that's what happens. I don't know, I don't read banned books anymore, so I wouldn't... Imagine if they banned star-bellied <laughs> snooches, the Dr. Seuss anti-racism <laughs> book. <sighs> oh, man. Dr. Seuss was a heck of a guy. I did really... I had a collection of, like, six kind of lesser-known Seuss books in one, mm-hmm. and one of them was... And to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street, which, of course, is now banished um, for a stereotypical depiction of East Asians. Ah. And I gotta say, I didn't really carry that piece with me. I don't recall that. I recall a lot of goofy, Seussian kind of flair. Uh, a donkey on a cart. And then, like, a big brass band. And uh, I don't remember the racist caricatures. My favorite thing that has come out of all this is all of the people who think that their books are worth tremendous amounts of money now. I spend a lot of time on Facebook Marketplace because that's where I get all my vintage Garfield paraphernalia. And I often see, like, that book. Like, let, let, yesterday I saw a copy of that book and they listed it for $90. And oh, I was God. like, you are crazy. First of all, you could get a free PDF online, I'm sure. Second of all, no. Yeah, on the dark web. Like, it's it's not even a... It's They're, they're treating it like it's some, like, sacred banned book text. But it's like, you know, a billion copies and of they it just, exist. They like, just you said, oh, we're not going to publish this. Yeah. Exactly. Like, you know. It's been out for so many years that it's not like there's a run on it. Yeah, the way that um, when I was like a ne'er-do-well tween and <laughs> I found the anarchist cookbook online, <laughs> now kids are doing that with like the 500 hats of Bartholomew Cubbins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Max. So what do we do on this podcast? Um, Besides we talk defend about defend the honor of Dr. Seuss. And talk about Laurie Dern's inevitable and continuing descent into goopery. Yes, I was doing my usual pre-recording search of her Instagram, and her second-to-last post is her hawking a CBD 500 oil for her face. Which the website promotes as anti-inflammaging. That does sound like a funny fake word. Yep. Sounds like something that would be on The Simpsons. Sounds like if like... Mr. Burns started selling beauty treatments. <laughs> it really does. Thank you. Yeah. I've been writing for them on the side. Oh, that explains it. Yeah, I know. That's why it's bad. <laughs> it's been bad for the last, what, 23 years? Yep. <laughs> when they hired that toddler. <laughs> yeah, we just pointed envelopes and they had storylines in them. That was pretty cool. I guess a lot of correct future events, though. That's true. That was all me, by the way. 9-11? I predicted that. The Simpsons didn't predict that. I mean, no, but the Twin Towers were in an episode. <gasps> what are the chances? <laughs> yeah, right? The tallest buildings in the country. Right, well, not anymore. No. Ghost buildings. Is yeah. that a thing? Ooh, tallest I like it. ghost building. Are there but just a... I was gonna say something that might... I, let's just do it. Are there just a bunch of ghosts, like... In in this airspace that once held the Twin Towers, are there just a bunch of, like, office ghosts that are stuck in, like, 2001 office life? Eternally? Yeah, have you seen the beams of light at the Freedom that's Tower? The, that's where the ghosts live. That's crazy. Good for them. There, yeah. there are worse places to be ghosts. They got a yeah. good view. Yeah, like, lower to the ground in, yeah. mid, in lower Manhattan. Imagine if you were working in the subway that day and you died there. Can Ugh. you imagine just being a ghost in a... 
and and it only that station only reopened like maybe it was closed for almost a decade. So imagine the decade of you just living in construction train hell. Yeah, it'd be pretty rough. And then it opened again. You're like, okay, this is this is not great, but you get to see people. Yeah, and then like rats. someone pees on you. Oh, come on. <laughs> Your first day. The first day the station's open. Day. Some dude in like a dirty baseball cap just stumbles down a corridor and pees on you. This is the worst. I once saw, I was once at the, um, a Penn Station in New York City. Uh-huh. Waiting for the late night Long Island Railroad. Oh. If you miss like the 1am or whatever, you gotta wait for the 3. Yikes. So everybody's drunk, some more <laughs> than others. And there's this one guy who's just like passed out looks like he could be dead at a glance just like against a pole and some cops like come up and they're like hey they're like kind of tapping him they're like hey you're right and he's like well he's just like oh i'm fine they're like you sure he's like yeah Yeah, they're gonna find him for dirtying up their batons (laughs) and then um i see him because i have nothing better to do but wait for this train yeah so i see him just like 20 minutes later get up and just kind of stumble down a random to a random train platform where there's no train i'm like i gotta see what's going on here and i peek down the stairs and he's just standing there just swaying pissing on the train platform (laughs) and then like a half hour later i see several cops go down there i'm like all right now we really gotta see and he's just passed out face down in his piss. Nice. Yeah. Strong Island, baby. New York living. Concrete jungle. Wet dream tomato. Wet dream tomato. He was having one that night. Alrighty. Some other Lord Dernucci is prepping for the Oscars, which are tonight. So, oh. man, we really recorded this five hours too early. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Oscars are tonight. She took her instant test. She'll be there, maybe. Maybe she'll win an Oscar. I don't really know. For- I don't think she was in any movies since the last cycle, but speaking of new movies, Laura Dern's going to be in a new movie that's been announced. Um, It is called The Son. It is a follow-up to The Father, which is one of this year's big Oscar contenders. It stars Anthony Hopkins of Anthony Hopkins fame. He's a crazy old man on Instagram, if you want to check that out. Is he really? Oh, yeah. He's so old and so crazy, and he'll just, like, post videos of him, like, singing weirdly and dancing around. (sighs) He's great though. He's like he's there, but I think he's just acting like he's not. But he's there. It's it's fun. Uh, but yeah, it's gonna star Hugh Jackman and uh, what's his, what's her face? Laura Dern. Laura Dern. Miss Dern. Madam Dern. And uh, yeah, that's all the Laura Dern news. Feel yep. Like... So uh, check out True Botanicals and yeah, just support yeah. her in this. I mean, somebody's got to pay for those kids. <laughs> They sell them on the website? (laughs) No, 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 no. Her children. She's been posting on Instagram a lot about her daughter because she's growing up. And I feel like weird. Like, it's it's just such mom things to be coming from someone so enormously famous as Laura Dern. I'm like, oh, she's a person. Yeah, and she's like, every morning I give my little ones a spoonful of (laughs) anti-inflammaging goo. Her children are going to be ageless and beautiful. Yeah, because of the goo. And hey, it's not goop. It's, it's goo. goo. It's different. It's good. Dern. The D is for Dern. Dern it's good goo. for you. <sighs> Max, Max, Max. Yeah, should we should we do the thing? We can do the thing if you want. Three, two, one. Big Dern! Big Dern!
forgot that our segments had names. Remember when we used to do that every time? Yeah. <laughs> we should do that more. Yeah, Big Dern. Alrighty, Big Dern. What's your Big Dern, Max? Big Dern, for the uninitiated, is the bigger of the two things that we both watch, typically. Nuh-uh. Not necessarily. No and like Ms. Dern herself, it is big. How tall is she? Oh, I feel like we did this once. She's yeah. got to be like... We just got to recycle, man. I feel like she's as tall as I am. I'm going to say 5'11". Sounds right. Let me pull her height up real quick. She was born on February 10th, 1967. 67. Yeah, I have that She memorized. is... Oh, trademark, sparkling blue eyes. Star sign, Aquarius. <laughs> she is 5'10 and a half, so I was pretty damn Ooh, close. Oh, you were I'm very damn half close. an inch taller than Laura Dern. And don't you forget it. Don't you dare forget it. And what? She's three feet taller than you, Max. Yep, that's accurate. That's crazy. Three and a half on a good day. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a half Dern. You are? Oh my god. Half Dern. Yep. Laura Dern is actually just two Maxes in a trench coat. I never mind. It's not interesting or important. Go ahead, Max. It's all right. It's just... never stopped us before. Okay, so British comedian Greg Davies. He hosts a show called Taskmaster. It's very popular. They're entering their like. I think they're on their tenth series now. Like filming in COVID, and uh, he, they recently talked about his weight. And I was watching it with my partner, and we were talking about like British Stone because he weighed like so many stone. Right. And I figured out that my partner. <laughs> My, Greg Davis weighs three of my partner in weight, and I was like, "Whoa! How many? That's how many lot. stones?" I think he came out to like two hundred and thirty pounds because he's like a very tall, heavy man. Just like and, a yeah. fifteen stone, Maybe. give I, or take. I, I talked about this a week ago, and I have literally no memory of what stone comes out to. I think it's like fourteen pounds. Yeah, sure. Yeah, British pounds. British Sterling. pounds. Yeah, so it's different. It's, it's, it's like money. A dollar and twenty cents <laughs> per pound. <laughs> Man, going to a British butcher must be the most confusing thing for an American. You got pounds and then pounds and then stone. Yeah, and it's all just like sheep how many or pounds whatever. for a stone of beef? What does that mean? It's, it's, you're it's like, what the hell is mutton? Man, no wonder they're queens and old lady. Speaking of which, I had a weird res- revolution. The res- a weird sex revelation about the queen again. Uh, no, no, not anymore. Not since her husband died out of respect. Um, <laughs> Jimmy Carter and the Queen were born the same year, and it's huh. so weird to think about how drastically different their life paths are. Like Jimmy Carter was a peanut farmer and a president once, and the Queen has been the Queen. <laughs> yeah, for the vast They're majority. They're both so of their different. Life. Those two heads of state. They've probably done it. I like to think the Queen has had sex with every president in her reign. I don't think Jimmy Carter's ever had sex before. I mean, he has at least, like, a kid. Did his wife die? Helena Bonham? Yeah, she did. Excuse me? (laughs) I don't think they were married. Helena Bonham Carter. That's... Shut the fuck up. That's That's his wife. She was in a long-term relationship. That little peanut. They call her cacahuitita. I hate you so much. It means little peanut. What if Jimmy Carter turned out to be Tim Burton? Okay. What if, man? Sure. Have you ever seen him in a room together? Probably not. Um, my father, in, when we lived in Los Angeles in the 80s, worked with him. His boss was named, like, Jack Burton or something. Are we talking about, who are we talking about here? My father. Are we talking about... 
What? My father is not Jimmy Carter. No, no, no. Your but father... my dad's boss was Richard Burton's, or is Tim, excuse yes, me, Tim okay. Burton's dad. Oh. And he didn't know it, and then he was like, one day he was like, oh, he's just like a fan of Edward Scissorhands, <laughs> and he's got like all these posters, and then it like kind of clicked one oh, day. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. You know, uh, Tim Burton used to work as an animator for Disney, and he also worked as a puppeteer for the Muppets in his come up to Those both directing. Fit so much. Yeah, he used to. He said he used to listen to like depressing emo music when working at Disney because he said if I have to be sad here, at least I'm going to have a good reason for it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a fella! Anyway, anywho, big dern, big dern, wild, wild, 2014. I can't do a puma noise. Like it's like that. Could you do a, a beautiful, majestic fox? Oh man, I had the weirdest dream last night. Great. Okay. So I was just, I was like on this college campus that I didn't recognize, but I like lived there and it seemed like very like middle of nowhere, New Englandy. And there was just like a, like a coot, no, what was it? A cheetah that was just like loose and like attacking people. And like, I was in a crowd of people like on the front steps of something. And it just like, it went behind my legs, like between me and a fence and like no one else noticed it. And I was like, guys, there's like a wild big cat just loose running around and they were like that's crazy and then everyone saw it and they were like shit and we all ran and then we trapped it then what that's it that was i mean the beef of the dream was the fact there was a large tiger moving around and it's very weird that i felt it like physically move along my legs which makes me think maybe there was a large cat in my room maybe and i woke up and my pillow was gone (gasps) ah There was a leopard spot where half, my pillow... <laughs> half my pillow was gone. It was really wet. <laughs> uh, I don't know what it means, but I woke up and there's, yeah, just leopard in my bed. Yep. Anywho, so wild. 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 2014. Whoa, that was years ago. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say right off the bat, um, this, because it's Oscar day here. Yes. This was, we have two Oscar nominations in this film. Hmm. One for lead actress, Reese Witherspoon. Yes. For good. her portrayal of Cheryl Strayed. And another for Best Supporting Actress, her second nomination after 1992's Rambling Rose. Quite a slump there. But she's recovered nicely. She won one a few years later. It's Laura Dern. You know who loved the movie Rambling Rose and, in fact, has it on Laserdisc? Paula Poundstone. Paula Poundstone. You can check out her on her podcast. Nobody talks to Paula Poundstone. Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone. Because, Because of the child abuse allegations. Wait, for who? For Paula Poundstone. What'd she do? I had a vague... I had a vague memory... What? What, during, kind of after the last episode, which for the listeners who are just hopping in for the first time, <laughs> go back to the last episode where Paula Poundstone has Nick, a lengthy Nick talk. supported a child abuse. <laughs> I didn't know. What happened? Alleged? No, not alleged. Convicted? It's all... Ah, oh, man. There's not much info, but... Well, maybe that's because she's not very famous. <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? Ah, now man. she. Uh, let's see. Oh, she began serving as a foster parent. She has fostered eight children. She was charged with felony child endangerment in two thousand one, driving while intoxicated with children in the car. She was also charged with three counts of lewd acts upon a girl younger than fourteen. 
those charges were dropped. She got a misdemeanor charge of inflicting injury upon a child. And now she makes really funny cameos and loves Rambling Rose. Yeah. Well. Well, well, well. Yep. She calls that time in her life very dark. Yeah, that is pretty dark. All the pounds don't survive the mudslide that was my life. Well, I'm glad she came back and is on NPR sometimes. Yep. (laughs) Well, anyway... Wild. What's up with that? Wild. Wild. All right. Wild. So are you familiar with this book? This is a big book around this time. A memoir. I have Wild. not read it, but I think I know the finer points. Okay. It's uh, by a woman named Cheryl Strayed. And uh, it's about her journey hiking the Pacific Crest Trail. Yes. The PCT, which runs from <sighs> Mexico to damn near Canada. Whew. That's a long one. Yeah, and so so we start, we've got what sounds like sex panting, uh, but it's just like a shot of a mountain, and it's uh, it turns out a bit like camera turns, we get Reese Witherspoon, she is hiking, she's reached the top of this peak in desperate pain. And she removes her sock, and her foot is all mangled and bloody. And then she, her toenail is just blood red, her big, big toenail. And she just reaches and grimaces and yanks it out. (laughs) And that's how this movie starts. Great, great. (laughs) And when she does... She, like, goes to stand up, and her shoe that she took off rolls down the mountain. Oh. And so she's, she picks up her other shoe and yells, Fuck you, bitch! And throws the shoe off the mountain. Damn. Then we get, like, immediate quick shots of sex, of a fox, of a page from a dictionary. Boom. Wild. Wild. Title card. Who do you think the bitch is? Shoes. No, it's Laura. I'm going to say it's her mom. Yeah. Yeah, it's her mom, Laura Dern. But we're going to learn more about that as we go. Okay. So she, we kind of, what I really like about this movie is it doesn't spell out a lot of things. It uses this kind of stream of consciousness flashback narrative storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um where we'll just get snippets of her background. And what we get early on, we can tell right away. It's like, this is like a a discomforting, painful kind of journey. It almost feels like a penance for her. Like, it's something she needs to do. But we see her struggles. She's in a a motel, and she packs up her giant pack. Um, And she was, like, organizing everything and packing it up. And she literally can't stand up with it. She like So she puts it on the ground, she lays down, and she can't stand up. And she rolls onto her stomach and, like, slowly, finally, like, gets, <laughs> gets onto her knees and then stands up. So we see the struggle, the pain right there. But, and if anyone's ever known anyone who's done this or have done it themselves, there is, like... I need to do it, right? It's always a personal quest. You don't fucking hike 
15,000, 2,000, I don't know how many thousands of miles. Um, if you don't feel like you have to for some like deeply personal reason. <laughs> and we learn that she's early on in her journey. She's got about three months ahead of her. And we get our very first flashback. <gasps> and it's Dern excitedly dancing in like a small kitchen. It looks cluttered. And we see little girl Cheryl and her little brother. Um, and Dern's almost like she's got this joy. It almost, I, I think she might be like drunk in this scene. She's like too joyous in this like kind of dingy little house. Um, very 70s, it's kind of dirty, but she's just, like, dancing and smiling, and she, like, grabs little girl Cheryl to, like, dance with her in the kitchen and sing. Um, so that's her, and that's, like, the flashback. That's what we get there, and that's kind of how the flashbacks are gonna work. They'll be all through different times, we'll get bits and pieces, but it's that sort of thing. We just get sort of a, a feeling and they're all sort of triggered by something Cheryl sees, something she hears, something someone says to her. The struggle continues on day two of the hike. She's trying to set up her tent and it's just like close shots, every sweat. It's like the Mojave Desert. It's hot. Everything's, like, clanging as she's trying to assemble things. Like, already, it's like, this is tough. And then then we get another flashback where Dern is a student with her. I guess at, like, a community college or something. Mm-hmm. And she, it's very funny because Dern's, like, kind of, like, 70s mom. And Does she have the glasses? No, oh, she doesn't. Damn. But they, I, You they, know the ones I met, yes, too, and I'm so glad. I, of course they do. And so does the listener. Yes. You, the one listener. You, my Amish friend. Hey there. How's it going? You know about the glasses. I'm inside of you right now. Like No, no sexual like, ASMR. No, like, like, like your the other head. podcast. Yeah. Oh. oh. Yeah. Okay. Other pod. The other one we do. Yep. Um, inside Laura Dern. <laughs> <laughs> we do we do we talk about the same movies except it's just very sexual and close to the mic yeah uh dern after dark <laughs> <laughs> that thought about mac tonight what's what's that now it's it was the mcdonald's mascot that was just the big moon wearing the suit oh god i forgot about I, that did they have like thing. a fake show i don't know anyway probably bernie mac go ahead <laughs> So Bernie Mac is hiking. <laughs> Bernie Mac is hiking. Very comically. Now, um, she can't get her stove working. Oh no. Again, this is day two. <laughs> and she it turns out she has the wrong fuel, so she kicks the fuel in a fit of rage. She is an angry woman. And now she's eating just like cold mush. Oh. She's like pouring a little water into just like Dry, like oatmeal or something just like dried oats and it's like it's a bummer and it's definitely like this feels like a penance for her like she she it feels a little self-flagellating kind of off the bat and she sees all, oh, already and we get 
we get a few sexual things kind of early on. One, we get that sex, what sounds like sex at the beginning and is definitely supposed to sound like sex, but mm-hmm. it's her struggling on a mountain. And she gets to the motel and the woman's like, it's $14 a night. Sick. It's like, it's like 1994. I was going to say that is an incredible rate. Yeah. And she's like, oh, but it's, uh, it's more if you have a companion. She's like, I don't have. She's like, well, if you, you, you might. The woman just basically like, calling her a whore. She's like, I don't know, maybe you will. So, She's like, I'm not going to have a companion. It's a weird way to fleece a lady for money. It is. But what if you do? And then we see her... Uh, while she's packing, she sees like kind of like a hot cowboy-looking dude in a car. And she, she has a... Um, a whistle, like an emergency whistle. Mm-hmm. That's like a hiker thing. And it's yeah. like, super loud. Oof. Yeah. And she picks it up like she's going to blow on it. Like she wants this guy to come in. And she doesn't. So we get like these little details that that's like a part of the story. Okay. And so she sees, she finally, she's all alone. Like if you're doing this, you're doing it alone. It's kind of the, you'll have certain stops where people will sort of congregate. Certain places where you get packages delivered on these trails. Um kind of lodging areas where people stay. But for the most part, if you're doing it solo, it's just you. It's just you and your and your wild thoughts. <laughs> and so she's struggling. Her stove doesn't work. And she asks, she sees a guy on a tractor who's like mowing like some probably government land or whatever that she's hiking through. And she says, hey, like, I'm sorry, like, could I, could you give me a ride into town or something? Like, I need a hot meal. Like, my stove broke. And and he's, like, kind of gruff. And he's, he's like, I'm, I'm working. And she's, like, doesn't really know what to say. He's like, he's, like, wait in my truck. I'll be done in a bit. And she goes, she sits in his truck. And she finds, she's kind of snooping, and in the glove compartment she finds a little leather bag and it's got a a pistol in it. I knew it. Yeah. It's always a gun. And so she's freaking out a bit. And he comes in, he's big sweaty, and he's like, he had talked about taking her to a restaurant or something, but now he's like, tell you what, I'm going to take you back to my place for a hot meal and a hot shower. And he's like, and she's like kind of, you know, it's a little creepy. And yeah, she's got her yeah. she's got her guard up for good reason. And he reaches down, he pulls out a flask. <laughs> Ladies first. <laughs> takes a little nip, he takes a little nip. He's like, I got one one other thing. Oh, and she says, she's like, I'm with he's like, You all alone? She's like, I'm with my husband. He's hiking up ahead. We're gonna rendezvous in a day or two. It's not true. Yeah. We we already know it's not true. And he's like, oh, one more thing. And he pulls out a bag. He's like, red vine? <laughs> he's got a bag of red vines. He's like, he's like, the wife hates it when I, hates it when I'm snacking on sweets. Oh, I love and so that then turn. you see her just like, all right. And then it's like, next scene is this lovely, sweet older couple. And they're like, goofing around and having a nice meal. And it's very sweet. It's cool that she kind of gets this gets to meet this guy right off the bat um she's got she takes the shower and we see the killer 
pack sores she's got day two like her lower back is just like raw and so then she has a nice shower nice meal nice nice bed to to lay her head and he drives her to get the uh the proper fuel and then drop her off at the trailhead or whatever and he's talking he says you ever think about quitting only every two minutes and he's like, oh, I've quit lots of stuff. She says, don't, don't you, uh, do you regret it? And he says, I didn't have a choice. I just couldn't do it no more. He says, like, I quit jobs, quit marriages. He's <laughs> like, I, I couldn't do it no, no more. There's never been a fork in my road. Which is a lovely little um, way of looking at things, right? If you... It seems like she perhaps has lots of regret. Spoiler alert, she does. And and he offers this bit of wisdom that, like, whatever you did, you did, and that was the path, and there wasn't there wasn't another path. If there was, you would have taken it. Huh. And so the hike continues. She sees a rattlesnake. <gasps> Rattling. And it's like this big, it's rattling real good, <laughs> and she's freaked out. She like, but she doesn't just turn and walk away. Like if you're gonna do this, know that like, oh, you see a rattlesnake rattling. That just means just walk somewhere else. Yeah, man. It wants you to know it's there, and it doesn't <laughs> want to bite you. That's why it's rattling. Uh, and she kind of stands way too close to it for a while, like looking in discomfort. Well, I mean, it wouldn't be cinematic if she didn't do that. That's true. Um, and that night she wakes from sleep in a panic, like there's a snake in her sleeping bag and she gets out and she's like freaking out, screaming and she gets the sleeping bag. She's shaking it out and a little caterpillar falls out, but it looks kind of prickly. So like that would suck too. I wouldn't love to wake up to a caterpillar in my sleeping bag. So I, I sympathize. Then we get another flashback, this one with Gabby Hoffman, who, if you don't know, love her. She's such an attractive, not conventionally attractive woman. Gabby Hoffman. Uh, you may know her from the girl version of Stand By Me, Now and Then, where she was a young, a young woman in the, probably around this time this takes place, 95 or something. Yeah. Uh, she was in a, a lovely little movie called Crystal Fairy, where Michael Sarah is just like a shitty American who wants to go to Latin America to do hallucinogens. Oh, she was in Uncle Buck. She was in Uncle Buck. I yeah, didn't know yeah, and her. she was sleepless in Seattle. She was, a child. she was in so many things. She was a, a big child actress, and now she's done a few. I think she she came back on the scene, and I suppose Gabby Hoffman is her best friend because they are. Drinking uh, mimosas together. Nice. And eating food. So As one does when you meet Gabby Hoffman. Two, two white women mimosas. Best friends. <laughs> right? That's how it works. And Cheryl is talking all about her drugged up sex <gasps> that she's been having. Heavens. And she acts like her friend's real concerned and she's not... She's acting like it's no big deal. Like, I'm just... I just don't do what other people like. I travel the beat of my own drum. I take one gel NyQuil and one gel Dayquil. Fucking crazy. <laughs> Ooh. 
my skin's alive. We can call that a boomer speedball. <laughs> <laughs> and so she's been having lots of um, drugged up sex with strangers, we gather. Hmm. And then we get, then she tells her friend she thinks she's pregnant. And now she's no longer like, oh yeah, everything's cool. She's like, by the way, I think I might be pregnant. What? Uh, She has a breakdown. And kind of in this moment, she says she needs to hike the the PCT. So she might be pregnant and she's just going on Oh, oh, they get a test. She is, in fact, pregnant. Oh. There is no baby, so I'm safe to assume she does not have this baby. Fair enough. And that's where this movie, it doesn't give us the... Linear, beat by beat, everything happens. So the flashbacks just kind of paint a picture slowly but surely. Just like Pulp Fiction. We, at one point, yeah, pretty much. At one point she calls her ex, we learn, where she's like checking in. She doesn't have many people to call from the road. He's having dinner with some hot babe at his place. And he like, he takes the call, he talks, he's sincere, um, we learn a bit later that's her ex-husband. Oh. They're divorced. And so that's like a weird part of her story is she's like still close to him. Uh, when she gets to her first kind of spot, there's a, a package, a care package and a letter from him. So they're in touch. They care about each other, but they have divorced. And it's still hard to tell where the drugged up sex Oh, wait, no, it's not. <laughs> Never mind. We'll get there. Okay. And she gets to Kennedy Meadows, which is the first kind of stop a hundred miles in. And some fellas are, are sitting at a picnic table drinking tall boys of Ham's beer. Ah, oh, Ham's. Yep. I love Ham's. Yeah, it's like the only time I've ever seen Ham's. <laughs> Anywhere ever, aside from... The one bar we go to. That is pretty much the only place in the world that still sells hams. I literally don't think I've ever seen hams at another bar. I haven't. I think maybe once I saw some place had short boys and I was so perturbed because I was like, I didn't even know they sold this in small cans. No, these these are the tall boys. Hell yeah. Oh, big hams. (laughs) Big hams paid big money for that. Big hams. (laughs) Wild, brought to you by REI and <laughs> Hams. <laughs> oh my god. A, there are some like blatant REI product placement. Well, you know. Uh, in fact, we'll get to one right and now. Red vines. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A, so there's this guy who, who kind of works at Kennedy Meadows and he's helping her prune her pack mm-hmm. because it's like comically large. You know, I think I have seen this movie, and I think this scene is, like, the one thing I explicitly remember. Oh, please, take it away. Just the one part, they tell her, like, if you bring books, like, burn pages as you go. That's the one thing I, like, vividly remember. I didn't know you saw this. I, it's been, I think I saw, like, when it came out, so I really don't remember it, because, you know, it was almost ten years ago now, but... Anyway, that's all. Yeah, uh, that's exactly right. He's helping her prune her pack. He's like, I'm gonna go through stuff, and, like, if... You gotta give me a good reason why you want to keep something, basically. And he's getting her to throw out extra crap she doesn't need. It's like, you burn in your books? <laughs> what? No. And he's like, anything you've read, 
And he grabs a book and, like, flips to where she's clearly read up to, like, where the page is marked, and just tears off the front half of the book and tosses it. I mean, I would have let her keep it to burn later, maybe. Yeah, it's kind of an aggressive move. (laughs) But, hey, this is a a strenuous journey. A few ounces will count later. And she's got, um, 12 condoms. (laughs) And he kind of looks at her, like, like, yeah. (laughs) And she's like, I know, like, what kind of woman brings 12 condoms on the... <laughs> yeah, six times. And she's like, all right, fine. She's like a little hesitant. She's like, all right, you can toss him. And he kind of turns around and she sneakily grabs one off, pockets yeah, it. Yeah, you know. And... She can keep at least one or two. Yeah. We get another flashback with... Dern and Cheryl. Now she's she's a, a adult, perhaps a young adult, kind of legally blonde looking Reese Witherspoon. Mm-hmm. They kind of younger up, and they're in a Volvo, recognizable by those wonderful hard um, the headrests of the the Volvo. Ah, yeah, yeah, with like the the hard kind of textured. You know what I'm talking about. They got oh. the three holes in them. Oh, I'm with you. Oh, Don't classic. Even worry about it. Classic 94 Volvo. The headrests of my child. Yeah. And they're having a, a conversation about writers, and it's clear that Cheryl takes some interest in writing. Dern sort of struggles through it in school together. Mm-hmm. And Dern says this really poignant thing where. She says, I was, Cheryl says, like, you know, I'm more sophisticated than you, Mom. She says, I always wanted you to be more sophisticated than me. I just didn't realize it would hurt so much sometimes. And it's very sad, like, this, her sort of parochial mother who's, like, we can sort of surmise has struggled through life in her own ways. In fact, I'll linear up the story a little bit and say her husband was abusive. They were in and out. We get this scene where... She's fleeing with the kids into the car, kind of that classic scene. And then the next scene is them going back in and the dad hugging the kids. And it's like, there's a lot, there's a lot of, of hurt here. We get another flashback shortly afterwards. And uh, not the first time I've seen Laura Dern on a horse. <gasps> Shout out Again. to Recount, where she played that wonderful proto-Sarah Palin woman. Shout out to that movie where she was abused as a child by her horse oh, trainers yeah. that I watched. Yeah. Man, that was a bummer month we had. <laughs> not the Sarah Palin one, but you know. Yep. Well, good time uh, in our story here. Dern's got cancer. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, bummer. You know, maybe she sold some more CBD. They would have given her the cure. Yeah, if they had anti-inflammaging goo back then. (laughs) Might not have gone down. And we see this horse, and she says... she, She says she has cancer. She, Cheryl, does not take this well. Cheryl's like... A few years younger than she is now, presumably. Mm -hmm. And... She is like, no, like, we've got to fight this. She's angry about it. And Bobby, who is Dern's name, love the name Bobby. She's such a good Bobby in this. <laughs> and she, she's like, it's, it's life. It happens. She's not, like, thrilled about it, but she understands it. She's not pretending it doesn't happen. 
And she says, she says, I don't want this to be harder for, like, I don't want to make this any harder for you. I just need you to, uh, take care, to take care of them gracefully when I'm gone. And then we get a close up shot of the horse's eye and we see a gunshot reflected in the eye. Jesus. So it's like, whoa, like, I'm not sure why they had to kill the horse, but. Hey, that's how it works. When you die, your horse has to die. Yep. So it is written. Uh, then, then she get, then we get what is absolutely the funniest scene in this film. Oh dear! She's hiking now on on a road mm-hmm. on in the shoulder. Oh, and she's hitchhiking. She's trying to like get a ride to the hotel or something. And this guy comes up in a convertible, and he's got his convertible is just like cluttered with stuff. He pulls over, and she's like, thanks, I'm not going far. He's like, oh, no, I don't have room for you. He <laughs> says, Jimmy Carter, no relation. <laughs> and he's, oh my God. he says, he's like, I write for the Hobo Times. He's like, you don't see, you don't see girl hobos too often. And he pulls out a little, like, notebook to take notes and throws her into a hobo interview. What on earth? And... <laughs> It's funny because he's like, she. he is just ignoring when she's like, I'm not a hobo. He's like, this will be great. Let me get a picture. She's like, no. He grabs the camera, <laughs> takes a picture. Oh, my God. And he's like, he's like, it'll be out in a couple months. He's like, you know, I write for other stuff. He's like, I, I've been in Harper's. And she's like, <laughs> you've been in Harper's? Like, hobo Times guy? He's like, yeah, what of it? And... It's sort of this moment where he kind of throws the narrative that maybe she doesn't want to admit. Like, a lot of hobos, you know, they're running from something. So what are you running from, Cheryl? And she's like, he's throwing the themes at her. Very intense man. Very funny way. But he's very light and fun. And like, it's like two minutes. It ends, Jimmy Carter's gone as soon as he arrived. But before he leaves, it's like, here. Hobo care package. And it's just a plastic bag. She opens it up. There's just like a random bag of popcorn and a Coors Light. (laughs) Oh, what a guy, honestly. It's so, it's hilarious. I love when serious movies just at least take the time to have something so fucking funny. And that would be Jimmy Carter of the Hobo Times. And, uh, yep, put down the horse. Now, uh, now she's in the snow. One of the, the guys she met at Kennedy Meadows was saying, like, oh, the snow's real bad this season. Like, you might, like, the easy way you can go here and, like, take a bus to, like, meet up on the other side of, like, the snowy area. She's like, what? No, I didn't come here to ride buses. (laughs) And she's in the snow, and she sees a beautiful fox. The same fox we saw the quick shot of at the beginning. It's um, it's just majestic looking, like fantastic Mr. Fox. Oh. Um, it's beautiful, and she sees it, and it's kind of... You get spirit animal vibes, kind of right, up, right off the jump. Now, another flashback. Her and her brother... Um, Oh, oh, naturally, before that happens, um, the, 
she goes to the hospital, her and her brother are going to the hospital to to see her mom who's sick. And the way we learn that Dern has passed, there's just a a piece of paper with the words printed out, taped to the door. Please check in at nurse's station before entering. Oh. Which is so oh, so good. You see it, she it hits her immediately. That's rough. Um and then the nurse said she's like, I put ice on her eyes. She wanted she wanted something with her eyes when she died. She would so they're like icing up her eyes for something. And that to give you an idea of kind of how these flashbacks come to be, that kicks off the like abuse Laura Dern with the black eye. It's like seeing the dead woman with like her eyes all fucked up, basically. And then she and her brother flashback are bonding, kind of bonding in grief together about Dern's exes, and they rattle off names like Motorcycle Dan, who, <laughs> incidentally, we know one of those. Heavens. And what Do- if? And Doobie. Ooh, Doobie. <laughs> Which is such, uh, like, um... He toured with Pantera, hell of a guy. <laughs> you know he did. <laughs> and so we get kind of... During dying sort of montage hospital, we get the eyes, we get the black eye, and we get a close-up shot of freebasing, of, like, drugs on foil and a lighter, and interesting to throw in, in a montage that's otherwise just, like, a woman dying. Hmm. But, I mean, that's what what we're gonna learn and what, like... We would have guessed, but the way the the story unfolds, right, that, like, <laughs> Cheryl's drug use is perhaps a, a reaction to the, the death of her mother. Um, she sees the fox again. It feels like a hallucination. It's, like, it's there, and then she looks away, looks back, and it's gone. And it, like, probably wouldn't follow her all this, all this way. Um, another flashback. She's fucking strangers. She, uh, she's like working as a waitress and sees like two guys. Uh, She's serving two guys and then it cuts to her fucking both of them in an alley, like in her waitress uniform. That's a choice. Yeah. And then it's like the next one is like, oh, she's in like a legit like cracked in mattress, like dingy place with this guy. And they're shooting up together. Huh. Um, yeah. So it, it gets great. It gets intense pretty fast. And what we learn in one of these flashbacks, oh, she goes, there's this one flashback where she gets, it's her, she's getting a tattoo and she's with her ex-husband or with her husband. Mm-hmm. And... He said, the tattoo artist says to them, wouldn't it be easier to just get, to just stay married? And they are getting matching tattoos to remember one another because of their divorce. And, uh, because they are divorcing. So again, that like, they still connected, they're still close. And, but they're divorcing. And I think the tattoo artist like asks why. And she says, I cheated on him a lot, like a lot. And that's sort of where we we get these glimpses. Oh, with these strangers and shooting up and all that (laughs) is while she was married. 
she we get this great flashback where Darren is singing again. She's singing. Oh, the the song we get, the soundtrack to her fucking strangers. Such a beautiful song. Um, El Condor Pasa, If I Could, by Simon and Garfunkel. Hmm. Lovely song. And it's um, the melody is an old Peruvian melody from the 30s. So it's this real kind of world pan flute kind of thing. Beautiful. I'll play it for you later. Listeners... If you don't know it, listen to it. It's beautiful. And so it's this really kind of harrowing scene. It's harrowing in the way that Simon and Garfunkel can be. And so then then we get Dern singing in the kitchen. And she's singing joyously. She's singing that song. And Cheryl gets mad at her. She's like, why are you singing? Like, you're, you were married. Your husband was an abusive piece of shit like you you're poor like your life sucks what the hell are you singing for is kind of it and we get sort of Dern's worldview that feels a lot like our boy Frank with the red vines which is like I'm she said I like I have no regrets in my life like I'm singing because I feel joy and like I my abusive husband gave me my children and Right, all of life's hardships, I, I'm still singing. I still have joy. Hmm. And this seems to be something that Cheryl just, like, she's angry at the world. She's angry at regrets. She's angry at these fucked up situations that her mother was in, that she was in. Um, and she doesn't... So she gets mad at her for being happy. Uh, she learns, but now we're starting to get into the, like, she's been on this journey a long time. It's now been a couple months. And the guy who told her about the snow, this guy, Greg, who was like, oh, I'm hiking 22 miles a day. You know, he seemed like a pro. Like, he seemed like the real deal when she's the imposter. She's just some woman who's in over her head. And he's like a real through hiker. And she finds out from somebody that he quit. He failed. He couldn't handle the snow. Um, but she did. And a lovely line. I don't recall the context. She says, I think I'm lonelier in my real life than I am out here. Someone asks if she's being lonely. Hmm. Get another flashback uh, to she's sitting in like with this guy in a cl- in an empty classroom. And... The, uh, sorry, oh, sorry. A, a brief distraction. And <laughs> her first thing he says, she's in like this jacket. She seems like she doesn't want to be there. She, she, she's sort of retaliating against the situation. She says, I thought there'd be Kleenex, and, there'd be couches and Kleenexes and shit. He says, <laughs> that's $50 an hour therapy. This is $10 an hour therapy. <laughs> And he's sort of, like, trying to, like, okay, so why did you have sex with strangers and do drugs with them? Like, he's trying to, like, get into it. She doesn't want to get into it. She just bails. She's like, that, um, that ain't, she, she ain't at that. It's not helping her. Um, another, uh, flashback sort of voiceover we she says and this is interesting that she her mom when bobby died 
she got a tombstone for her, but she was cremated and she sprinkled the ashes all over the tombstone. She says, I ate some of the, hmm. she ate some of her, her mom's ashes. It's I interesting. feel like that's a thing. Yeah, maybe. Like, maybe placenta. Yeah. She's goopy gal. Just a little bit of the dead. Yeah. A little memento mori. Something to hold on to. Um, hiking is still hard. She is hiking and comes a, across, like, a, a public water tank to fill up her water. And it's empty. So then it's her, like, licking condensation off the side of her tent. And she's got one of those, like, pump water filter things. Mm-hmm. And she finds, like, the scummiest pond <sighs> I've ever seen. I hate that. And, like, is pumping it and throws the iodine tablets in it. And you gotta wait wait for the iodine to like, kill the, the scum and the jaria and whatnot. Then we get a couple um, bow hunters... Also drinking hams. Ah, See, great. the first guy, the first group of guys, they were lighthearted, fun hams drinkers. They they were sort of reminded me of the, the two people on either side of this microphone. These guys are the rapey hams drinkers. They're, you gotta think, any beer, there's good people and bad people that yeah, drink it. Exactly. Like even Hitler liked ice cream. <laughs> bad people can like good things yes that's a lesson you learn like bow hunting bow hunting is cool exactly so these guys are bow hunting and they stumble upon this young woman all alone and the guy's like aggressively rapey oh, and it's man. just so ah uh, she's like very uncomfortable mm-hmm. rightfully so they're like Saying, like, I know what I'd like to do to pass the time. Like, leering at her. Oh, meanwhile, she gave her, gave them water. <laughs> oh, and they poured it. And she's like, do you have a, she's like, do you have a, a thermos or something? He's like, oh, you can put some in my beer can. <laughs> so he's drinking, <laughs> drinking filtered pond water out of a <laughs> empty hams tall boy. Now that's living. Yeah. And he, he offers, one of them offers the cheers. Here's to a young girl, all alone in the woods. Ugh. Yeah. And so she, like, hightails it out of there. Good. And, which is good. And in this shot, I like this, she's, she's, like, running away. And you can see in the background, not so noticeable, but it's there, is the fox. And so I wonder, it might have been there kind of all along. I wouldn't mm. be surprised if there were hints of fox throughout. And then she crosses into Oregon. Oh. And she's in this beautiful meadow, and there are just cows everywhere. And she says, hello, Oregon cow, which is very sweet. <laughs> and she kind of makes it into a town. And she sees on the newspaper, 1994, what's the big news? 1994. Who died? 1994. Who, who are the people of Portland? Yeah, I think it is Portland. Well, uh, 94, Portland. Oh, yeah, now she's gotten all the way through it. Now she's in Portland. I'm not sure. Who would Portland care about? Jerry Bear! Jerry Garcia dead. It says it right oh, on the newspaper. Oh, no! Ah, sure. Oh, that's a bummer. And oh. you may be thinking at this point, like, man, she's still got that condom. 
Never going to, uh, when, when's that condom getting used? Because there are a couple guys, there's like that guy Greg, the hiker, you're like, oh, I bet Greg's getting that condom. Nope, nope, Greg doesn't. It's going to be some deadhead, isn't it? And then, and then we get, you ever watch Game of Thrones? I dabbled. We get, you probably don't know him, at least not by name, um, Dario Naharis. I've heard the name. Who is just a stone cold hottie, some Dutch man. Nice. Um, he's in The Haunting of Hill House, one of my favorite shows ever. Big fan, big fan. He was the the main guy. And um, the father? I forget. And anyway, it's him. And as soon as you see him, you're like, oh, he's getting the condom. Oh, fuck like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he, he runs a music venue, and he's throwing a little oh. tribute for Jerry Bear. And so she goes, she gets... She goes out and buys makeup, and the woman at the makeup store is repulsed by her stench. Ah, nice. And uh, so she showers, she she cleans up real nice, and she bangs this dude. And she does it willingly. It seems like where sex may have been in some of these situations, right? This, like, shame, this acting out something she's doing out of anger and not out of desire that this just seems like out of desire it's a dude super hot uh, they don't do any heroin <laughs> that's not what jerry would have wanted well maybe they but... might have been <laughs> and so now she's back on the hike and she finds she comes across a llama with like saddlebags on it and it's just like all by itself huh and then a an old woman and a little boy come come up the path and like oh you found her <laughs> and this is a very sweet little boy and he's talking about like he's just one of those kids who just is oversharing and saying too much and he's like I'm with grandma because like <laughs> I have problems but I'm not supposed to talk about them with other people <sighs> and she's like oh that's okay like we all. He's like, well, I have problems too. And he, she says, you know, but your problems, like they get better. And he sings this beautiful, lovely song that his mother taught him. And it's just like, she's processing her grief in this moment. And it's kind of the, the final sort of turn where she is coming out the other side accepting of her life which i think is kind of the whole thrust of of her her battle here and she sort of gives this um voiceover as she makes it to the the bridge of the gods which is a great name and a cantilever bridge uh, crossing from outside of portland crossing from oregon into washington I haven't spent much time in either of those states, but I've been over that bridge. Whoa. Yeah. I was like, wait, Bridge the Gods, I know it. And I looked it up. Sure enough, I was like, that's the bridge. It's just just upriver in the Columbia from the um, Bonneville Dam. Ah. One of the largest dams in the country. That's a damn good story. Yeah. And fun fact about Bridge of the Gods, the toll, they increased the toll to $2.00. After the increase in popularity due to the release of this film. Whoa! Yeah. Well, so damned. a lot of people, they probably weren't hiking the trail. Maybe they were, some of them. But at least some people were like, oh, let's just go to the end of it, which is the bridge. <laughs> you know, uh, 
You know what that story is, Max? What? That story's wild. Bada bing! Gabagool! And so we get this this final voiceover. She's on the bridge. She says, what, what if I wanted to sleep with every single one of those men? What if the heroine taught me something? What if I was never redeemed because I already was? And it's like, oh, good, you figured it out. Yeah, Frank told you that 2,000 miles ago when he <laughs> gave you red vines. And, uh, yeah, it took a while, but she got it. And she pulled out that red vine she's been keeping all this yeah. time. And it was the <laughs> sweetest Rotten. red vine she'd ever eaten. <laughs> Um, and that's the film. Then the credit scene, we get, um, the Simon and Garfunkel song again. And pictures of IRL Cheryl Strayed. Oh, fun fact. You might be wondering about that name. Strayed is an interesting last name. Um, she chooses it after her divorce. And she chose it because the word strayed, S-T-R-A-Y-E-D, because she felt like she was astray and we see it it's like oh yeah it says a lot about someone if they choose to make that their name they might not be in the best spot probably not yeah interesting um some facts about the film oh and in one of those pictures we see at one point reese witherspoon is wearing this cool just kind of vintagey looking uc berkeley shirt uh-huh. and we see the picture with cheryl Strait, and it's like oh they got the shirt oh it's the real shirt oh i love that uh, as they said, Reese Witherspoon and Laura Dern both nominated for Oscars. Uh-huh. Reese lost to Julianne Moore um, <clears throat> for Still Alice. She had Alzheimer's. Oh, who cares? And uh, Dern lost to Patricia Arquette to in Boyhood, which, love you, Dern, but... Yeah, yeah Boyhood was pretty dope. Yeah, especially Patricia Arquette. Oh, Patty. And this film was written by one of my... The screenplay was written by one of my favorite writers, Nick Hornby. He wrote oh. High Fidelity, wrote About a Boy. Oh, love both, High Fidelity. Both lovely movies, their own right. Have you seen About a Boy? I have not seen About a Boy. Uh, that's, that's a heartstrings. That's a, a beautiful film. I will write that on my pad. Yeah. Hugh Grant. That's just a sort of man-child who, who learns, learns to let people in. England's unofficial prime minister. Yes, he was that guy. He was the prime minister. Was remember? (laughs) We we yeah, I too. (sighs) So long ago. You know it's true because on Christmas we never tell a lie. You can't, (laughs) or the Queen will get you. (laughs) You know who told a lie this past Christmas? Oh, Prince Philip. Look at him now. He he gone is in the ground. Yep. And that. Is that? <laughs> Any questions? Oh, no, that was exquisite, as always. Yeah, it's a good film. I will have to check it out again. But we'll see. Yeah, you don't have to. I got to. a bunch of other Oscar movies. You just movies heard to everything now. about it. Exactly. You've seen it already. I. Used to I used to listen to a few movie podcasts and I would just like listen to them and occasionally I would watch the movie after sometimes I wouldn't now I've I only listen to like two and I am very diligent to watch the movie before an episode if I like really care about it and Ooh. I haven't seen it because like I'd rather see it and then hear people talk about it. Obviously, I don't do that here, but you know when yeah. I care, I do. It. <laughs> what podcasts do you do this uh, for? I listen to one oh, man. I. Just started semi recently, so I don't have the full name in my head. It's called. What is this actually called? 
oh, Forever Midnight. And it's just, like, three, like, horror movie dudes. Like, they're dudes who, like, make art and movies and stuff. And they, like, just talk about, like, weird, obscure stuff. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. fun. Mm-hmm. You know, there's one on that Ghoulies tracks. that I'm waiting to watch. I'm waiting to watch the movies probably tonight, and then I will listen to it tomorrow. Ghoulies? Ghoulies, yes. You may notice, you may, may remember the cover art of a small little alien monster popping out of a toilet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, Ghoulies. Yeah, too. Anyway, so yeah, that one, and I've been dabbling in one by a dude, um, it's called Movie Crush with Chuck Bryant. Chuck Bryant is one of the voices behind How How Does This Work? One of the, like, that big, big podcast that's been, like, on for, like, 20 years. How did this get made? No, no, no. Um, Oh, how, how, is it called How Does This Work? How Things um, Work? How, shit, once, uh, Stuff You Should Know podcast. Yes. Yeah, it's one of those big, like, iHeartRadio giant podcasts, and he also on the side does a very good movie podcast where he has his friends and, like, famous comedians, writers, etc. come on and talk about just, like, their favorite movie. All right. But two very good podcasts. So I guess we're doing Between the Derns now. We incidentally are. we are between the nerds. So aside from those podcasts, I started a book. <gasps> Big chonker. Wow. This is Stephen King's third installment in his compilation of short stories called Nightmares and Dreamscapes. It's very good so far. I've only read one story, Dolan's Cadillac. Big fan. It's about revenge in the desert. But yeah, I'm very excited. To, may I? Yeah, of course. In the intro, he talks about the fact that every compilation of short stories he had released up to this point was, I think, eight years apart. And he said that this was the very last one that he would release with any old material. So as to say that... I think that, that isn't true, though, but right? to, to No, I think it is. Because after this, every compilation he released was newly written from this date onward. Because like he says in the intro to this that like the last three were like, old stories he revised a bunch or like things he wrote in college and just like brought back but like this was his his final collection of like self-serving work that he just like wanted to put out there and like make perfect but it's it's an exquisite book so far and i ordered it from like a third-party ebay bookseller so i was not expecting this exquisite hardcover version that max is holding right now yeah is this like a it is beefy a first you know i did not actually look to see i don't know how to see that um, um, copyright 93, first published in 93. So yeah, very be. well might be. Um, I, I'm excited to hear about the particular stories because I read this a long time ago and loved it and don't, I'm looking at the titles trying to remember. I don't, there's like one where I'm like, oh yeah, that one's great. And it is, you know, they got a hell of a band, but I'm excited to hear. Uh... I am quite excited. I have not read a Stephen King thing since pretty much last year when I read a Bizarre Bad Dreams. So I am hyped for this. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the only other thing is um, I'm bartending again. Back to work at yeah. Lorraine, that bar I work at. Come and visit if you live Try in Philadelphia. Try the hams. Try the hams. Maybe a citywide. Hell, a hambo, if you will. But, um, yeah, so I'm working again. It's fun, making money. And last night was the first time we have had people sit at the bar since COVID, which was exciting. And I had, I think, maybe, like, all in all, seven people sat at the bar throughout the night. Some people just, like, for a minute. There was one couple that was there for a while, though. And they were very nice. They tipped me well. They talked to me the whole time because they were the only ones sitting there. And it was kind of a slow period. And... 
the guy would leave every once in a while to like go get pizza or go to the bathroom and the woman would call me over and be like so what do you think of this guy i've been with him for like four months should we what do you think should i keep wow, going should really I, should i cut it off i and miss she, bartending was, i know like last night was such a perfect night of bartending like i had so many of those like very personable like crazy bartender things happen and i was like this is the shit <laughs> this old guy came in earlier like an older crazy retired dude from the neighborhood and he was like he was he was hard of hearing but also he could hear very well when he wanted to he had two very gold teeth at the front of his mouth and he was just like he came he was like asking for wine and then he got whiskey instead but then he got cheap whiskey and then he was like can i buy you a drink and i was like sure and i just got a shot and then he asked me if he could buy me a drink four more times and i i didn't i i felt didn't want to take advantage of it <laughs> but yeah it was a very kooky fun day and uh yeah so i hope she stays with that guy maybe that's wonderful. Apparently he used to be fratty, and now he's not as fratty, so. Ooh, well, she, reformed frat she, guy? She met him and the person that she dated for, like, five years at the same time, and he was very fratty, and she went with the other dude who, like, proposed to her, bought a house, and then, like, he ditched her. Ooh. And then she went back to him, and they were together for, like, four months. But also, she was like, we haven't really had a talk to see if this is exclusive yet. And I was like, you should probably do that. She's like, you're right. And I was like, thank you. I love that yeah, she it was, just... It was so much... Dr- it was so needed juicy. to get, get all this out. But yeah. That's that's pretty much all I got. But you know, it was a, whew, it was a spicy shift. I'm excited for next Saturday. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, will be my birthday shift. <gasps> I'm working Friday and Saturday. Double birthday shifts. Speaking of which, at the end of this episode, you're going to find out what my birthday movie is going to be. You're probably going to be excited. I hope... I can't wait. It's one that... Uh, Last night, my boss, Jimmy, told me I had to watch. Okay. Because we talked about it at length, and he's like, you need to watch this. I want to report, so I'm doing a podcast instead of an actual report. Excellent. Anywho, so what is Between Your Turns, Max? That's a wonderful question. Between My Turns right now is a book my sister got me for my birthday that I love. It's called So Many Ways to Lose by Devin Gordon, and it is a book about... I'm not a mega sports guy. You wouldn't, it wouldn't be the first thing you describe me as, is like, oh, sports fan. Wouldn't even be in my top ten. Yeah, but, but, uh, you know, I like the occasional sport. And the one team that really, truly is the, like, has my heart and soul would be the New York Mets. And Devin Gordon is a sports journalist and lifelong Mets fan who has written a book, again, called So Many Ways to Lose. (laughs) Which is such a loving... His, his thesis is that the Mets are the best losers in history. I love that. And there is something about Mets fandom. There's been so much heartbreak and disappointment, but excitement um, along the way. And two World Series. None in my lifetime. And that it's, it's a compelling argument. It's a lovely... Um, history and it's one that like if you're a baseball fan in general you would like this book it is for it's about the mets but it's for baseball fans so i implore anyone out there to check it out support a mets fan and uh read about i'll I'll even give you my favorite bit i knew i was hooked from this for pennies a day you too can support a mets fan (laughs) sorry go uh i will i will read the um the dedication, which Nick won't understand, but any if you're a Mets fan, you will you will be hooked right off the jump here. And it says, for Ing and Sadie and Wes and Andy Chavez. 
<laughs> ah, yes. Ah, yes. So I'll, I'll give you the the cliff notes on that. Please Andy, do. Andy Chavez in the 20... 2006? NLCS. The, in the playoffs, mm-hmm. in um, a game where if they lose, their season's over. Andy Chavez robbed a home run. He was an outfielder. He leapt over the wall and caught a home run in what is one of the best playoff defensive plays I've definitely seen that. Okay. It was it was the most in all my I've been a diehard Mets fan since I was a young boy um the most exciting single moment. And then they lost anyway. And that's the Mets. And so uh, that's why Andy Chavez gets a, a spot on the dedication page. That's good. He's the best loser. Yeah. God bless him. And uh, that's, uh, that's all I got. Oh, let me do a seventh inning stretch and then we can hey, dive in go. here. Alrighty. You ready? Yes. You, you, do, you know what we're doing, right? Frazier. Yeah, so oh, three, three, two, two one. one. Oh, maybe I hear the blues a calling, toss salad and scrambled eggs. Is that the Frasier theme? It is. I don't know it. Toss Maybe's, salad. Toss salad and scrambled yeah. eggs. Yeah. That's what Frasier's all about. Get him, Dr. So we're talking Crane. about Frasier today. Dr. Frasier Crane, the critically acclaimed character played by P- P- Kelsey Grammer. Right? I love how you're not sure. Uh, Playback Kelsey Isn't Grammer this for your like, all-time favorite show? Not all-time, but it's up there. So he, he has played this character for like 20 consecutive canonical years, give or take, and he's playing it again now. They're rebooting Frasier. I don't know who's going to come back. I mean, the dad's dead. The dog's definitely dead. <laughs> um, uh, what's Who's the guy that plays Niles? Pierce. Um, Pierce Bronson. No. Um, David Hyde Pierce. Yes, David Hyde Pierce, I think, has been skeptical about coming back. Pretty much anyone aside from Kelsey Grammer has been. Man, he even showed up in the Wet Hot American Summer remake. Really? Well. Briefly. He did like a fun cameo. That seems like something fun, though. Oh, I'm sure. That's it. Like, I'm sure that weighed less on his public persona than playing Niles. Yes. Anywho, so we're talking about this show that I enjoy quite a bit. I was really into Cheers. And I watched it during, like, a depressive part of my life. And then afterwards, when I was starting to, like, take a slight upswing, I started Frasier. And I, I don't know. I, like, I vibed with it in a different way. And I was like, this... Like, I mean, cheers, I feel... Was this your Pacific Crest trail? This was, yeah. This watching all of Frasier. Cheers and Frasier. But, like, cheers, like... Twice a season, a millionaire would come to the bar and, like, leave all his money to the bar, and then everyone would fight about whether they could keep it or not. Like, I feel like there's so many things in Cheers that just, like, rehash and, like, come up, and, like, there's just a new girl, and then they make her worse. (laughs) But Frasier, you know, at least there's, like, some different stuff going on. So Frasier, season three, episode six. It's called... Oh, man... I did not write down what the first one was actually called. It's okay. But, no, 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 it was called Sleeping with the Enemy. Don't even look it up. Okay. You stop your typing. Sleeping with the enemy. So it opens with something that infuriated me. Because after reading that Laura Dern was in an episode of this show, I had this like implanted memory of her actually being in an episode of this show. I was like, oh, there's going to be a two-part episode and Laura Dern's going to be in it. And then I started watching this episode and it opens with um, Fraser Crane in studio taking a call, which he frequently does. And all the calls, if you know about the show, are made by celebrity guests. 
but they're not like it's not like hi I'm Laura Dern calling in it's like hi I'm Betty or something and it's just at the end of each season they would show like a slideshow of the most famous people that called in because like they would put it in the credits but it would always be this thing like who is it like Arnold Schwarzenegger did one (laughs) yeah no one could guess uh, I don't actually I don't think he did one I think I was mixing that up with Tales from the Crypt but like Michael J. Fox for sure like all these different people from all swaths of fame and life would do these and um it's Laura Dern She's calling into Dr. Fraser Crane and saying, like, hey, my husband is upset when we're at restaurants and I eavesdrop. And all the while, Fraser Crane is eavesdropping because, like, he sees, like, this big commotion, like, all the coworkers like, meeting in, like, one part of the office. And he's, like, not really paying attention to her, which is what she's talking about. And it's, it's a funny <laughs> gag. And, uh, yeah, that's it. That's all of Laura Dern's uh, involvement in this episode. By the way, two-part episode. Do you want me to continue and explain the entire plot of the two-episode arc? That's up to you. We've got time. Alrighty. So, Fraser Crane comes out and he hears all of his coworkers upset that they're not going to get their annual 5% raise. And he is immediately upset because, you know, he's a human being with wants of money like all of us. And then they say, but that won't apply to on-air talent, just the production staff. And he's like, oh, he, he's suddenly relieved. But everyone is really upset. And he is like, you know what? You guys should like fight for this. You're promised it every year, so on and so forth. And they're like, yeah, and you should lead us. And he's like, ugh. <laughs> I don't I mean, I want to do that, but I also don't want to lose my job. <laughs> I also don't want to support unions on network television. Ugh, ugh, <laughs> Imagine. But um, this is a great episode because it has like the entire back cast of staff which you don't get in every episode. Like, you have Gil, who's, like, the very feminine restaurant critic. You have, uh... You have Noel, who's the very nerdy woman who's obsessed with, um, Fraser's assistant. And you have Bulldog, who is, like, the balding, like, very manly, masculine dude who does the sports show. Nice. It's a, it's a good, a good round cast of goofy radio personalities. And so he brings in the whole um, on-air staff to his house to have a party to convince them to join the fight. Because if you can't get the personalities on, the the strike won't work. They'll just replace the understaff and all that stuff. And Niall shows up to the party, and he's like, oh, milling around cocktails. Is this a party celebrating me not being here? He's, <laughs> he's a very, very funny man. And uh, the dad walks up and offers him a snack, and he says, feel like a wiener, Miles? Because it's little hot dogs, and yeah. Niall says indubitably or some some snobby little little thing thing like that so they get a strike going on uh oh wait when they're still okay so all the personalities are in the apartment and they're like screw this we're not doing it we're just working stiffs we need our jobs too and then um someone comes in and says can somebody move their bmw i'm parked in and like eight people raise their hands i've got one and then how about a red one and then like three people raise their hands and they start leaving, and then um, the father, uh, what's his name in the show? I know it's John Mahoney. Watched dad, they call him Dad. Let's just say Dad. So yeah. he's he's basically like, ah, oh, what do you think they're going to do once they fire all of the, the other people? They're going to come after the big ticket items, you guys. So they finally, they get everybody to agree to the strike. And then we go to a commercial break. We come back to the mid-episode title card, something we always have in episodes of Frasier. It says a bloodless coup because they're leading a coup against the station management. Um, and basically, Fraser leads the entire group up to the the station head's office, who is like a beautiful woman, and he says basically like we're here to talk to you about this injustice. 
And she says, aren't you all on the clock? And they all run away except for Frazier. And he's like, ah, yes, a good army just needs to show its strength. We don't need to fight you with it. And they, like, talk for a second. They immediately start, like, fighting and nipping at each other. And then they kiss. Like, they have this fight, and she's like, I would have given raises if we didn't have to pay you guys this, the radio talent so much. And it's just back and forth and back and forth. And then it gets, like, very, like, one for one. It's like, shrew. I can't, I should have written them down. And she, he calls her a shrew. He calls her a, a hopeless despot. And she's calling him funny things, too. And then they kiss. And then they leave. And he's, they're both, he's freaked out. We don't know what's happening with her. But, you know, they're both very on edge about it. Um, and then he goes home and he's talking to all the people that are always at his house, his family, Daphne Moon, his father's healthcare worker, his father and Niles. Um, and then like, you know, there's the usual gags peppered in there. Um, they talk about Maris being a very, um, imposing and difficult woman. Maris, of course, is Niles' wife. And Daphne and Niles have that funny thing where it like implies that Niles is in love with her, which he is, but they don't get married yet. That's like season seven or eight. I just need to give you all this background. Sure. I know you're not familiar. And then Niles they... isn't gay. No, no, no. In the show, he is very straight. Oh, really? I know, but in real life, incredibly gay. But he did not publicly admit that until after things. the show. Yes. Oh, quite gay. Gay as a three dollar bill, if you will. Yes. <laughs> Loony as a two dollar coin. That's a different thing. But um, so his family talks him into saying. <laughs> His family is like, so maybe she kissed you trying to like throw you off and deceive you. And he finally is like, I think you're right. And they go, he he goes up to her. They have a very awkward meeting and they're like talking back and forth. They're fighting about manipulation. Um, He says, she says, you were trying to use your masculine wiles against me. And he says, you think my wiles are masculine? (laughs) I was like, that's adorable. And then they basically do this thing where they're like, we can't touch each other. We need to, we need to reach an agreement before we do anything sexual because that will just fog our judgment. And he says, I want 3% raises for all of my coworkers. No, I want 5% for my coworkers. She says three. He says four. She says deal. And then they fuck on the desk. Nice. It's like quick back That's and forth. That's how negotiation And works. all the people outside are listening. And it, I think um, Roz goes, look, he's fighting in there for us. He just keeps pounding on the desk and saying, more, more, more. And then he comes out all disheveled. And he says, I have good news. She promised us 3% raises. But I'm going back in there and getting us four. I don't care if I have to be in there all night. <laughs> and they're all just cheering, Frazier, Frazier, Frazier. And then it cuts to To Be Continued. Episode two! Yeah! <laughs> the Adventures of a Bad Boy and Dirty Girl. Ooh. It gets spicy. I didn't write as much about this one because Laura Dern isn't in it at all, so I'll kind of... Sure. Touch on the finer points. Um, they're unsure what to do about their newfound office romance. They try to meet at the coffee shop, another popular meeting place. And they get to talk for like a minute, and then they get distracted by like Roz comes in and all this stuff. They have to fill in the 8 o'clock slot, they find out, because the chef who usually fills in that slot is in rehab again. You know, radio chefs. chefs. Yeah. Uh, they like to snort their dinner, if you will. Um, so they're there. Roz is kind of upset. She has a date she wants to get to. So she like leaves. Fraser says, I can cover the last 10 minutes. Don't worry about it. The news is on. And then, um, the head comes in and they talk for a moment. And of course this talking breaks immediately into them making furious love in the studio. 
during which they knock the on-air button and the news is interrupted Ooh. by their loud lovemaking. And, like, everyone hears him refer to her as Dirty Girl. Actually, wait. When they're, when they're in the studio, he says, like, I don't know, when I'm with you, I just feel like a... Like a bad boy. And she's like, I know, and I like a dirty girl. And it's like very analytical and like <laughs> funny the way they're talking about it. And then they look at each other and like, did you just, what'd you just say? And she's like, I said I'm a very bad girl. And then they, they get at it and then the radio gets hit and you you see everybody hearing them on the radio. Like Daphne and the dad are in, in the house. Yeah. And um, Niles is driving. And you hear them talking and uh, Fraser just keeps talking and the, assist, the head is like, turn, stop talking right now. And Niles is like, yes, please stop talking. And then he crashes into another car because he's hearing his brother have sex live on air. Upsetting. Sure. I would be upset. So the next day he goes into work and everybody is like, Bulldog comes in and he hugs him and says, I'm so proud of you, man. And then uh, Roz is like, who is it? And he, of course he won't tell. And then the head comes in and says that he is off air for one week because of this stunt, which of course is friction because she was also there, but like he yeah. doesn't tell anyone and they kind of keep it under wraps, which is cool. And then... Always protect your bosses. Yes. Don't turn on them no matter what they no. do, especially if you have a romantic relationship with them that you're keeping yeah. secret from all your coworkers. They hold all the cards. Especially if you work Best for you Amazon. Best you just accept it. <laughs> So he goes home, he's really upset. He said he spent three hours at the Space Needle looking down at the city that's looking down at him. <laughs> and I thought about that, and I was like, that'd be so cool if you just, like, had the Space Needle. Because you could see it from his apartment, like, you could just go there and chill out, and, like, like drink a bag, brown-bagged bottle of whiskey and look over the city. <laughs> that sounds a lot more sad than romantic, but still, it'd be cool to go and just, like, hang out. There's a restaurant up there, you can just have a burger and watch Seattle. Yeah, I'm listening. Anyway, <laughs> so she comes to the house and like she wants to talk to Fraser and like everyone leaves. They say, like, oh, we got to take the dog for a walk. Let's all go. And um, the dog comes over to them and Daphne goes down and he has like a smudge on his nose. And she says, oh, what did you get? Did you get into the garbage again? You're a very bad boy. And they freeze. <laughs> like, she's bent down, they all freeze, and they all slowly get up and look at the two, and then they leave really quick. <laughs> and, of course, um, so the head and Fraser are talking, and they're like, we can't be doing this, we need to stop, it's a distraction, we hate each other, but we're attracted to each other. It's like this kind of push and pull. And they decide that they're going to be mature adults, and just let it go. And, like, the news is mobbing his building, because they everyone wants to know, like, all the tabloids, who is right. Dirty Girl? Who are you sleeping with on air? So he takes her down through the service elevator to get out the back door, and they get in the elevator and go down. It immediately gets stuck, and a series of sexy things happen around them, like, just tempting them. Like, first, a mattress falls down, like, right between them, and then <laughs> oh, there's a whole thing. There's, um, a music box starts playing, like, romantic music. It gets very hot. He lights some candles just for light, and then he breaks a bottle of musk oil, and they, <laughs> they try to pull... She's, like, they're both getting incredibly uncomfortable, and, like, they want... They're very horny. They're super yes. horny. Up. She takes a, um, a drop cloth off a painting to try to cover up the musk oil and it's just this big like sexy romantic book poster because the woman moving out writes like romance novels uh. like a fabio picture and they finally they're like oh let's just do it and they like throw they get on each other on the bed and immediately the elevator starts working again 
and then they like really quick shuffle to get everything back together and back how it was and when they get to the bottom they're both like very composed and like standing there and she walks out and he's just like good evening miss yeah and uh that's it oh crazy so an office place romance come and gone fun. so fast it was it's a nice like it was it was a good two episodes yeah it's a fun time so yeah kelsey Grammer. there you go laura dern briefly Really makes you think. A, a um, cameo that she probably did from her house. Yeah. No, she came to a studio for that. I mean, they are called in interviews. Maybe they just have celebrities literally call in and it record It sounds so crappy. Well, it did. Oh, <laughs> maybe you're right. Maybe. Who knows? We need to reach out to some production staff and figure out how they did this. But yeah, Frasier. Great show. Good time. Goofy. Fun. The whole pack. Yeah. Well done. So glad, nice. glad you got to watch. Are you excited for my birthday movie? I can't wait. Oh, I think it's really good. I'm excited be... to find out what it is. I'm just gonna pull up the year. I wanna do a little a little lead up to it. Okay. Alrighty. This movie, you may know, it stars a young Paul Rudd. Came out in the year nineteen eighty eight. It was heavily inspired have it's thought to have been heavily um, paid for by a major fast food corporation, although that corporation denies it to this day. It is heavily considered one of the worst films of all time, but it's become a cult classic in its own right. I don't know it. I don't think. Sold as The Next Generation's E.T., we will be watching 1988 science fiction film Mac and Me. <laughs> I do not know this. Oh my but lord. This is the movie for you. This is. Let me just pull up one image of a. Oh god, there's so many bad ones. I don't even know where to start. Um, Let's just show you the alien. That's Mac. Ooh. It's gonna. Oh, I'm so excited. It's gonna be so looks bad. Like a, a <sighs> butt tumor. Yeah, I read an article that described him as having a f- the same face as a sex doll with far less animation and character. <laughs> that is... This is going to be the time of our lives, and I cannot wait. Is Paul Rudd this little blonde kid? I don't He's know for be, sure. Right? I haven't done a lot of research on it, but Paul Rudd is for sure, sure in it. There's also a kid in a wheelchair. It's going to be a good time. This... I can't believe... Yep. Yep. Fuck. We're doing it. I'll bring the champagne. And, you better. Uh, actually, I... Better I, get me I drunk do this, for this one. I do this little thing every time. I started shopping at the New Giant, because it's close to my house, and it's really nice. And they have a very good liquor... Not liquor, like wine and beer section. And they have this little glass case in the wine section of like the nicer wines. And they have Don Perignon. And every time I look at it, like, I should just get it. I should just get a be bottle done. Of Dom. Maybe. We'll I tried see. it for the first time. My uh, friend got engaged and he like had a little dinner party. Uh-huh. And he was like, I got the bottle of Dom. I don't know. And I like goaded him into it. I was like, if it's. If not for your engagement, then, I like, mean, for what? Yeah. It's like, you're right, you're right. And we had it, and we were both like, all right. I mean, that's... Champagne. That's the thing. Like, I feel like in my head it'll be so good, and then I'll open it and I'll be like, it's just champagne. Yeah. I've had some, like, fancy wines where I'm like, ooh, that might be the best wine I've ever had. Dom Perignon was not. I'm not gonna lie. The case also has, like, 
nice bottles of wine that are like less than half the cost and I'm sure are so much better than oh, the wine yeah. I usually drink. So maybe I'll get us a nice bottle of wine or something. Yeah. Have a nice, a nosh. Here's the Jordan. <laughs> bottle of Jordan. Look, look into that. I will. I will. Do it. Is it like Michael Jordan? Uh, pro- probably not. <laughs> it just has the Air Jordan like <laughs> thing on it. That's the only thing on the bottle. It's so great. It's 200 a bottle. It comes in a shoebox. That'd be pretty dope, actually. So, yeah. Um, send me money so I can buy fancy wine, please. Oh, I'm not sending you money to buy No, not you. The, oh. the listener. Oh, good. Our one listener, please. Please do. It's your birthday. Why would it I is... buy the wine? <laughs> <laughs> you idiot. You're going to get me an... <laughs> just gonna get me another ball of pounds that was my first thought to be honest (laughs) could you imagine her having to do another one again for the same thing Uh, especially after we (laughs) publicly called her a child abuser on air oh this is gonna be good a child endangerer i yes i'm sure she's a fine person it happens she might not be i mean look at all the other celebrities that have endangered children and are are much worse I don't. We don't know what happened. You're right. She might be a monster. Maybe. Well, we're just digging ourselves a deeper hole. I'm sure she's not going to listen. Yeah. Or what if she is? Yeah. Paula, come back on. Give us the give us the scoop. The real question is, does anybody listen to Paula Poundstone? Oh. Nobody. Nobody. Nobody listens. Have you listened to it? Because I haven't. No, I haven't. The only thing I've heard her on is um. Wait, 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 don't wait, tell don't me. don't tell me. Which I was Ugh. into for a brief time, and then I was like, these are all... Listeners, if you find yourself into wait, wait, don't tell me, like... Hey, we all go through rough patches, man. Find some crack or something. <laughs> you just, like, you need a, you need a hard left turn. You, you need a, a, a scene break. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> well, Max, Laura Dern, Paula Poundstone, see you all next God time. God-awful... <laughs> E.T. clone. <laughs> it's so bad. I'm really excited. You son of a bitch. Yes, yes. Can't believe I ever agreed to do this podcast. <laughs> Over a year you've been doing this. <laughs> You're still here. You have Stockholm Syndrome. It's true. Laura Dern Stockholm Syndrome. And that freakish alien's gonna break my Stockholm yes. Syndrome. <laughs> uh, who am I gonna replace you with? Mac. <gasps> This ugly butthole alien. Are we still recording? Yeah. Oh, okay. I was just wondering. Oh. I feel like we were like trailing off. See? See ya. We're still recording. Are we? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my leg. Oh, ooh, every time. He doesn't know we're really recording. Oh, no! <laughs> okay, now we're really done. <laughs> So now I can let out all those racial slurs I was holding on to. Uh, as you do every week, yeah. I don't trust you. I'm not going to say them. Go on. I'm not going to do it. Go on. I don't do this every week. And I'm not doing it now. <laughs> okay, bye for real. <laughs>